Dave Tippett is out. We preview what other changes Edmonton has made since the Wild played them last as we preview Sunday's game against the Oilers today on Locked on Wild. You're Locked on Wild. Your daily podcast on the Minnesota Wild. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into another episode of Locked On Wild, your daily Minnesota Wild podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Wild your first listen every day. And just as a reminder, Locked On Wild is free and available wherever you listen to podcasts. On today's episode of Lockdown Wild, Tom Gazzola joins us to preview Sunday's matchup between the Wild and the Edmonton Oilers and to look at some big changes that Edmonton has made since these two teams squared off last. My name is Seth Topal, host of Lockdown Wild, your veteran captain guiding you through yet another Minnesota Wild season. Happy to be with you on a bonus episode this week. Just had to get one in here this weekend with a big game coming up Sunday night. No better person to come in and help us preview the game than Tom Gazzola of the Oilers pre- and post-game. Tom, it's been a minute since these two teams squared off, and uh, just like with the Wild, there have obviously been some big changes for Edmonton. How's it going? Seth, uh, great to be back on with you, and uh, it's been a roller coaster ride of emotions <laughs> in this city. Uh, even since the last time we spoke, I mean, uh, everyone got a little pissy around here, if you will. Um, players, media, uh, players going at media, media going at players, and uh, the team mired in six and seven game losing streaks and then going on big winning streaks. And I've been covering this team for 14 seasons, and I've seen some of the worst teams in, in the history of the organization over the last 40-something years. Um, I, I don't re- recall a season anything like this with just how crazy it's been in, in the wild swings from one extreme to the other. So, yeah, it's been a minute. A bunch of stuff has happened, and uh, we're still collecting ourselves here at Edmonton, man. Yeah, it's it's crazy because when the Wild played Edmonton last, they were on a two-game losing streak, and you thought, with how good Edmonton has been so far this year, they'll shake it off. And turns out that ended up being, I think it was a 2-11-2 stretch for Edmonton that just, it, the, the wheels just completely came off. Was it anything specific that led to such a tailspin, or were there just a few things that kind of built up? What led to the season just flipping on its head? I I think it's pretty simple. There's there's people here that'll go into deep dives and break it down and say, boy, they weren't getting any support from the bottom six. Uh, the defense were terrible. Uh, sometimes it was the goalies. It it was all of those things, but Seth like. They were behind in so many games, night after night after night, uh, that I think it just, they bent and bent and bent. And then finally the team broke. Like they were automatically down in games, one nothing, two nothing, sometimes on the first shot of the game, sometimes on the second, third, fourth, fifth shot. And, and that is deflating. And I, I think th- that was the, the area where it all emanated from. And it sounds so elementary and basic and simple to the point where you're like, come on, it's got to be more than just letting in the first goal. But when you've let in the first goal of the game in like 30, I think 
33 or 34 of your 48 games this season. It, it is like beyond sad. It's pathetic. And the fact that the Oilers are where they're at right now, giving up the first goal that many times, and not only just one goal, Seth, like we're talking, they've been down two nothing. I don't know how many times they did it last night and actually clawed their way back into that game against the Ducks and won it. But I think that's where it all emanated from. And some nights it was the goalies. They would let in these disgustingly bad goals. And it didn't matter if it was Miko Koskinen. It didn't matter if it was Mike Smith, if he was healthy playing, or if it was Stuart Skinner, who's been a, a bright spot for this team. Um, and, and there were these stinker goals that were going in, and it would be the goalie's fault. And then there were nights where, you know, you thought you were getting the first save, and you're like, all right, they're going to be okay here. And they would give up a 10-bell chance because the defense would make a terrible play or the forwards couldn't get a puck out when you thought they had more than, you know, 15, 20 feet to skate it out of their own zone. So it became this thing where it just snowballed, and one night it would be the goalies, one night it would be the blue liners, one night it would be the forwards, and it just I think it got into their heads to the point where it all came crumbling down. Yes, there was a lack of production from the bottom six because they're barely playing because you were sending out McDavid, Drysaddle, Nugent Hopkins every second shift to try to get you back into these games to the point where they were playing 25 minutes, sometimes 30 minutes a night. Uh, it was just this recipe for disaster, and disaster hit in the most ugly way. Before we talk about the changes, because obviously Dave Tippett was uh, was let go as head coach, we'll talk about kind of the changes since uh, his replacement has taken over. But, you know, you talk about um, just some of the weird things that have happened this season, and from afar, seeing the uh, the Edmonton media and guys like Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid come to – these these public clashes like it's just so bizarre but I think mm-hmm. it speaks to you know those guys were feeling the heat too and some of that criticism obviously not fair of of those two because they're producing on the ice and they can't be the ones to write every single thing that's going wrong but yeah you know very evident that those guys have been feeling the pressure too absolutely I mean this team's supposed to be in win now mode and when they were mired in that two win and 15 game stretch where they were two eleven and two, like you talked about, it was bad. Like it felt like the, the 18, 19 season where things went completely off the rails. It started to feel like I compared it to the 14, 15 season, the second year under Dallas Akins. And there was a stretch that year where the team had one win in 21 games. Like it was desolate and, and it's not supposed to be that bad here. So yeah, it, it, it got really heated and, you know, from my point of view, those guys are the reason why the Oilers have finished second in their respective division the past two years, one in the North, one in the Pacific. Um, yes, there has been a lack of success in the postseason. That's abundantly clear. And this team wants to turn it around. And so they feel that pressure, like you said, that's that's true. Um, I also point to this whole COVID Zoom thing we were doing for a while. And now in Edmonton here, you have the podium and in the really nice hall of fame room. Um, and it just creates this, this weird vibe because the fans want answers. Who's their medium? Well, it's us in the media. Um, you only get a few minutes with each player at the podium. We've got some hall of famers here and some big names in the media game. Um, certainly in Canada, maybe in the hockey world, I would think so. Um, that, that, you know, are, are, 
always are a lightning rod of controversy and, and stir things up because they have been so prominent. And so you have these clashes because it's, it's this weird mix. And I think that uh, just the circumstances led to that. You, you can't have one-on-one conversations with guys where, you know, uh, you, you saw Hall of Famer Jim Matheson get into it with Leon Dreisaitl. That's a conversation. You know, I've had my fair shares, uh, a share of run-ins with guys, but it, it doesn't end up on camera because I'm going into a mic and I'm getting frustrated and, you know, things are recording and everyone's rolling live. But when, when you have those blow-ups in the room, when things are normal, they go, hey, Tom, like, why the heck did you say this on your show last week? Why, why are you asking me these questions? And then you go, hey, this is my point of view. Um, hear me out. And then you have the back and forth, and it's off, off air. And right now, we don't have that ability. And unfortunately, things got red hot here because the fan base is passionate. The, the media is passionate. The players are passionate. Expectations are high. Um, it boils over. So is it entertaining for others? Yes. Um, is it entertaining for us here at Edmonton as being a member of the media? Yes. Unfortunately you do it with a grimace and you go, Oh, that's not going to go over well. And, um, it's just crazy, Seth. It just adds to this bizarre year that we've been having here. Well, and the uh, Wild fans are no stranger to that here with uh, what happened with the uh, the TNT crew and uh, Michael Russo over the last couple right. of weeks. So, um, just kind of just kind of waiting for or seeing that get smoothed over. I uh, I know exactly how that goes, but yeah, the Oilers obviously made some high profile changes. Uh, a new player. That is uh, part of the mix and a new head coach. So we will talk about some of the changes that Edmonton has made to try to get back on track as we continue our conversation with Tom Gazzola here on Locked on Wild. It is the month of February, and so most people's New Year's resolutions have gone right out the window. But if you are sticking to yours to eat better and look better, Bill Bar is here to help. If you're looking for a little change of pace from your usual Bill Bar flavors, have you tried the Puffs? Puffs are a Built Bar staple and are one of the best-tasting Built Bars available. They are a first-ever protein-infused marshmallow. They're fluffy. They're marshmallowy. They're not just a protein bar. They're a treat, and they're covered in 100% real chocolate. Most Built Bars, Puffs included, contain somewhere around 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compare that to your favorite candy bar, which usually has around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. A wide assortment of flavors, including mint brownie, coconut, coconut almonds, and new for this month, white chocolate cookies and cream. All the flavors are delicious, with new flavors coming out all the time. So don't miss out on the Built Bar revolution. Head to Built.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off of your order. Again, use the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. Continuing today's episode of Locked on Wild. Again, thank you for making Locked on Wild your first listen every day. Seth Topol joined by Tom Gazzola of the Oilers pre- and post-game. And Tom, some high-profile changes for the Oilers. Let's start with Dave Tippett out. The, uh, the Oilers moving on and going with Jay Woodcraft. Uh, for head coach, what uh, first off, what what led to kind of the decision for Tippett to uh, to be the guy that had to go? 
It, it was interesting because Dave Tippett's a good coach, Seth. We know that. He's got a great track record. But um, the way he deployed his players and his lineup uh, became stale, I think is the best way to describe it. And he would always go back to Old Faithful, and that was double-shifting dry settle McDavid, trying to get stuff to work that way. Again, uh, trying to dig themselves out of holes, basically game in, game out. And after the seven-game winless streak, after the six-game losing streak, uh, the Oilers go and rattle off five wins in their next six games, going into the uh, All-Star break. And then they come out of it with a back-to-back with Vegas and Chicago, and we're absolutely flat. So all that momentum, goodwill that was built up, thinking that they would be back on track, you know, you see those two games, you're like, what the heck just happened? Ken Holland makes the decision that night to uh, go on his instinct and use his uh, his, uh, hockey prowess and go with his gut, if you will, and he makes the call and and he lets go of Dave Tippett and Jim Playfair as well. So the shakeup, the jolt, the shock to the system, if you will, uh, occurs a bit of a surprise, although, you know, fans were clamoring for Dave Tippett's head months prior to that, and it happens. So they they bump up Jay Woodcroft, who is having another solid year with the Bakersfield Condors. They bring up Dave Manson as well, former Oiler. And all of a sudden, the Oilers are going 11-7, and seven, and uh, they're getting good goaltending, and they're attentive, alert. Obviously, Jay Woodcroft's implementing a few tweaks to the system. You can't do that really with limited practice time like the Oilers have had. They've had two practices, Seth, in the week that Jay Woodcroft has taken over. Jeez. So they've had minor adjustments. But I think you've got the, the group's attention, and uh, they cost two good men their jobs. And so all of that has uh, culminated in the team kind of playing better and, and realizing the time is now and uh, this is for real, you know, uh, you can't just go and play and, and expect the, the two big dogs to do everything for you and, and go off of your reputation as being a skilled team. It doesn't work that way. You got to be on your toes and, and giving it your best in the national hockey league. These are the best players in the world. I know it's cliche to say, but sometimes that happens and you get complacent and the Oilers were definitely that. And, and here we are, they've rattled off four straight wins since the move. I think it's still part of that, you know, little bump you get uh, from the new coach. We saw it with Vancouver, and and we'll see where it goes. But if these uh, systemic changes that are being implemented slowly, methodically, uh, do take, and you're getting contributions from the rest of the lineup, which has happened, then then maybe this is legit. But still very early. But that's kind of where it emanated from. Is things got stale here, and uh, the results weren't happening, and when the team came out flat in those two games out of the break, uh, Ken Holland for the first time in his career as an executive fired the coach mid season. Now you mentioned some, some subtle tweaks that, uh, that Woodcroft has made. Um, and a lot of times when a coach is fired mid season, you see his replacement, just trying to kind of go back to basics mm-hmm. and just try to focus and find the strengths of the strengths of the team again, and uh, and build around them. So you know you did you did answer parts of, of what would obviously be the question there is is what has been the difference. But um, have any of those specific things been uh, been noticeable uh, that have happened since? Yeah. So structurally, there are a couple of things, and I should point them out. Is the Oilers were giving up so many odd man rushes. They were coughing up goals off the rush, and part of it was in the offensive zone. 
ill-timed pinches from the blue liners, nobody, no high forward coming back and covering or getting back late when, when there was a pinch that went awry. And now all of a sudden there seems to be more method to the madness in the offensive zone when it comes to the blue liners pinching in. We haven't seen as many odd man rushes, uh, rushes given up. There, there've been some, they're going to happen. They're inevitable, but uh, not as egregious as it was something that really was a constant for this team prior to Woodcroft and Manson coming in. And then they're tracking back through the neutral zone on the back check better too. the, the high forward F3, whatever you want to call it uh, tighter to their check. Not as loosey-goosey, if you will, uh, <laughs> in simpler terms. And, and a focus and attention to detail that maybe wasn't there prior to uh, Jay Woodcroft coming in. Listen, that's not to say that Dave Tippett wasn't trying to harp on that. It just wasn't happening. Um, so it is happening now. And then when you do get back into the Oilers zone, on the defensive side of things, uh, there was this, this tendency, if you will, that the defense would back in on their goalies. You would see opposition players come in and they would get the blue line easily. They would get the top of the circles easily. They would get the shot off almost automatically. And then there'd be rebound goals or some nights those shots that you thought were harmless were actually going in. And it goes back to the goalies giving up those bad egregious goals. Now they got to fight to get into the zone, which is a breath of fresh air to see. It's, it's tough. They're stifling uh, the opposition coming into the zone. So it, it's those little subtle tweaks that seem so simple again, that they've incorporated and has made uh, quite a bit of difference so far. Let's see if it's sustainable. Let's see if they add more wrinkles to it. Obviously uh, the hockey's going to get better as we head into the stretch drive. So teams are going to be more on it. They're going to pick up on what the Oilers are doing on their pre-scouts, but so far so good Seth. four games in. Uh, the other change, Evander Kane into the mix. Uh, he had a pretty high publicized exit from the San Jose Sharks earlier this season. And um, after a, a short waiting period, ended up uh, finding his way to the Oilers. What have you seen from Kane since he uh, came into the mix? Um, and uh, how has he um, how has he helped the team or not helped the team since uh, since he came on? He's definitely helped the team, which is uh, a sigh of relief here in Edmonton among the fans. And uh, the big thing is, is production. And the method at which he's gotten the production, he's got eight points in the, uh, nine games, I believe, now. And it, it hasn't been that typical power forward game where he's controlling the puck. It's, it's more so on, on the touches, the quick touches, some redirection goals. Uh, scored a nice goal against the Ducks uh, on the power play. Nice feed from Ryan McLeod over to him where he finished strong. But, you know, he's not carrying the puck a ton. Uh, it's starting to come around. He's even said it that he's not skating uh, as well as he could be. His timing isn't there, but um, he's making up for it by, by doing the little things, and it's leading to offense. And that's ultimately what he was brought in to do, to provide more depth scoring, which this team needed. And so it's still working, even though it isn't uh, probably the ideal way he'd like to get the offense. He's making it happen. And that's all that matters. And people aren't going to complain as long as he continues to provide that production. Um, you know, in time, I'm sure he's going to hit his stride and, and his game's only going to get better uh, when it does. So he has contributed. It's just not as, you know, perfect or ideal as, as probably he wants, the team wants, uh, but it's, it's happening. And then the other thing that he's provided is a little bit of sneer. 
and uh, toughness to this lineup because this team has been very easy and soft to play against for quite some time. And Evander Kane brings uh, a little bit of punch. And you could say that literally. You saw it you know, against the Kings on Tuesday when he smacked Brendan Lemieux in the face, took a penalty. They killed it off, uh, which was good. But uh, he got his money's worth on that punch. And that's something the Oilers team really lacked. Uh, another guy that's brought that is Marcus Niemelainen, who was a guy that played under Jay Woodcroft in Bakersfield. And he's, uh, he's had some big hits, too. So all of a sudden, this Oilers team, with the addition of a couple of uh, guys here, not so uh, soft to play against. Uh, I know there's some work to be done there, but Kane has been good in terms of production. He's getting up to speed. And uh, understandable, considering he only played five games in the AHL prior to coming to Edmonton. Getting the, uh, getting the rust off and uh, trying to help uh, push the Oilers back into the playoff discussion. Uh, it'll be a tough one against the Minnesota Wild coming to town on Sunday. So tell you what, let's finish by taking a look at the matchup. The Wild and Oilers Part 2 uh, when we finish our discussion with Tom Gazzola today on Locked on Wilds. Football might be over for the season, but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops. From all the latest odds, totals, player performance props, to where the next fired coach is going to land, BetOnline.net is the number one spot for all of your sports betting needs. BetOnline remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds, right to Olympic coverage and information. So head to their website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action. You can find all of it at BetOnline, where the game starts. Final segment of today's episode of Locked on Wild. And again, thank you for making Locked on Wild your first listen every day. If you'd like some more intel on the Oilers ahead of Sunday's matchup, make sure to follow Tom Gazzola on Twitter. Easy to find him, at Tom Gazzola, and uh, you can get uh, some great intel on what should be an exciting matchup between these two teams come Sunday night. Tom, I'm going to throw a question at you that I haven't really normally used in doing previews with, uh, with other media associated with the, uh, the opposition. Okay. But just for the Lockdown Wild listeners, when Edmonton has struggled... Has there been anything specific that you've noticed that the opponents have done to slow them down or to exploit, you know, some weaknesses, especially here over the last handful of games since these changes uh, in both coaching uh, and Evander Kane came on uh, since those changes took place? Yeah, since the changes, um, the five on five has been really good. One thing that hasn't been is the power play which is surprising considering how good it was to start the year. It was on a historical clip. You know, Seth, I think it, for the first three weeks, it was at like 50%, then slowly went down to 40, stayed there, then it got to December, and then it just tanked to the point now where, you know, it had a firm grasp on first in the league, and it slipped to third heading into the weekend. Um, the personnel's great. It's just the executions there, and other teams have adapted. So, uh, special teams is a weakness for this uh, Oilers club, even with Jay Woodcroft at the helm and Dave Manson and, and the tweaks that they've implemented. Uh, penalty killing has also been a, a major struggle. It was awful the last month and uh, maybe two months, you could say, under uh, to- um, 
Dave Tippett and, uh, and uh, Jim Playfair. And it's still, it's gotten a little bit better on the PK. Although uh, the other night against Anaheim, it did give up a couple. So it's work in progress. So if a team really wants to focus on something when it comes to the Oilers right now, uh, it, it's the special teams where you could win that battle. P- PK isn't necessarily clicking and uh, the power play certainly isn't clicking. Uh, it's two for its last 14, one for its last uh, 11 in the last four games, I believe. It's it's just not happening. Even with McDavid and Drysaddle, Nugent Hopkins, uh, it's having its struggles. So we'll see where it goes from here. But that's one element you could get to the Oilers and, and focus in on. Uh, the last time these two teams squared off, Jonas Brodeen gave uh, Connor McDavid fits. And, you know, he just – a guy that I will forever – trumpet his uh, his ability to just hound a players uh, on the opposing team but the wild defensively are missing a pretty key component in Matt Dumba and we have seen over the last couple of games a huge amount of juggling on the uh, the lines defensively which is a concern because I don't know if it'll be Cam Talbot or Capo Kakinen starting on the wild end but um Talbot's end especially, it seems as though he is a guy where if the opponents can get to him early, that uh, that can lead to some trouble like we saw against Winnipeg uh, and like we've seen against other teams throughout the season is that you get one or two early on uh, on Talbot and uh, that can that can end up being the difference, which could very much come into play in Sunday's game. Sounds familiar. Remembering Talbot <laughs> from his days over here in Edmonton, great guy. And uh, by the way, very happy to see him make his all-star debut. Well-deserved. Um, yeah, 17-18 in particular comes to mindset where Talbot struggled early. He was uh, plagued by allowing first-shot goals in games, and he wasn't getting much help in front of him. I remember nights during the 17-18 season in particular where uh, he would make two or three saves, and then the fourth shot would go in. Um, in just a, in a quick sequence. So he was given up two or three rebounds. Nobody could clear a puck in front of him. And, and that just caved his uh, confidence and it's good to see what he's doing right now. So if the Oilers can get to Cam Talbot, if they face him, fantastic. Uh, that's still considering that the Oilers are the team that usually coughs up the lead early in games, regardless of which coach is behind the bench in Edmonton or for Edmonton. Uh, so the Oilers have their own problems in that regard. But when they do get down, they're so used to it, they find ways to claw their way back a good chunk of the time. Not all the time, obviously. Um, we'll see. I, it's gonna To me, it'll, it'll be the five-on-five five play that'll dictate it. And um, if the Oilers can contain the special teams and maybe get a bump and wake up their power play, that might give them a bit of an edge. But this is a good wild team. Um, I think we're in for a good game. Edmonton, by the way, plays Saturday in Winnipeg afternoon game, then has to travel back uh, to face Ooh. the Wild for that Sunday, 6 o'clock Edmonton time. You guys are central time, so that'll be, what, a 7 p.m. start on a Sunday. So it's a bit of a tricky schedule with the travel mixed in for the Oilers. If the Wild can take advantage of that, uh, that might be to their benefit. But uh, this is all that COVID uh canada pushing back uh the scheduling in the national hockey league or canadian teams pushing back the scheduling and now it's being made up for in the olympic or what was the olympic break and uh it's just a hectic crazy schedule with all kinds of weird travel and the wild might be able to take advantage of that if i'm looking at their point of view 
Um, I got to ask you too, uh, to kind of wrap up here. One of the hottest rookies in the NHL, Matt Boldy, who has uh, helped yeah. really turn the second line for the Wild into a juggernaut. How excited are you to get a chance to see him play? Um, just, you know, missed most of the season, unfortunately, with an injury. Otherwise, if he is playing even close to the level of production he has now, he might be up near the top with uh, those two guys in Detroit in terms of the uh, Calder Trophy voting this year. The next wave, Seth, the next wave, and it's always good to get an up-close uh, front-row seat to seeing them, so I'm looking forward to seeing that. Nice to see him get the the Hattie the other night, and uh, it, you know what? The Oilers are going to have their hands full, especially when a guy is young, full of confidence, getting to have that success in the National Hockey League. They can ride that wave. And uh, it'll create some trouble for the Oilers in their back end. But uh, it's the game within the game that we love to see. But I love the, the new stars of the game are, are tremendous. The amount of talent that they possess and the things that they can do with the puck um, are things that I'm sure you and I couldn't have fathomed a decade ago, five years ago. And now it's, it's basically uh, a nightly basis where we're seeing the magic from this next generation and wave of players. So bring on Matt Boldy. And uh, it, it's a it's a far cry from the Minnesota Wild teams that I remember in the old Northwest Division when I remember the Oilers playing the Wild six times in the first 36 games. And that's on top of a couple of preseason dates in Edmonton and Minnesota where you're like, oh, my God, wake me up when this game is over. <laughs> that's not the case anymore. Th these are two teams that have high octane offense or the capabilities to to light it up. And uh, where you're looking at dates in the schedule and you're going, oh, the Wilder in town, that should be fun to watch. So I think that's going to be what we see on Sunday, uh, whether it's Matt Boldy or uh, someone from the Oilers lighting up the lamp. Bring it on, man. Should be a great game and uh, we look forward to seeing how things unfold. Tom, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for joining once again here today. And uh, thank you listeners for tuning into yet another episode of Lockdown Wilds. Now that your first listen is done, make sure to hop over to the Locked On NHL podcast to get the full roundup of everything going on throughout the NHL. As mentioned, make sure to give Tom a follow for some more Oilers uh, updates throughout uh, the game on Sunday and throughout the season as well. And uh, Tom will definitely have to do this uh, again. I think I think we got at least one more uh, yeah. matchup between these two teams. Yeah, I think we do. Uh, that's uh, Tom with two Zs here in Canada. Z's down there. Excellent. I want to get that in there. <laughs> For sure. Uh, listeners, make sure to also check out Locked on Wilds wherever you listen, wherever you are active on social media. We got you covered everywhere. Just trying to keep you up to date on all things Minnesota Wilds with new episodes every Monday through Friday as part of the Locked on Podcast Network.